Peace to God. Peace to the universe. Welcome back. Um, I hope that this podcast, the effing universe, my host, Dr. Allows you to think, permits you to think on your own. I hope that you get a understanding of how cognition should work for your benefit. And I hope that you get a little humor out of this podcast. Um, one of the things that um, was mentioned was reconstruction and I had the discussion with you and we were building on that topic of reconstruction and um, what it meant for black people but the one big thing that I, I hope that everybody takes from the reconstruction era this is the era right after the United States preserves the Union and keeps uh, the United States as a whole so that it's no longer divided. And their concession to the South that lost this war, General Lee, and the, um, their flag was to allow them to take it out on black people. Literally, people were slaughtered in the name of giving the um, Confederates back their honor. Black people slaughtered, uh, legislated against, um, politically destroyed through um, legislating all the um, hangings, lynchings, all of that came about as a concession from the north to the south for losing the war. Okay, we kicked y'all ass in the war, but we're going to turn our back or we're not going to put our resources as this whole United States collective into protecting those blacks that we freed through during emancipation. If you don't understand that, then you don't understand humbly, in my opinion, what Reconstruction was. It sounds like something that's rebuilding, but yet it was tearing down, yet it was giving, again, even worse than slavery, it was just giving outright citizenship that any white person, any white mob could kill at will. Any black person who tried to rise above what emancipation um, in theory and in words and in amendments to the Constitution was trying to put forth. We're going to turn the blind eye to the law of the land and let you do what you want to black people. This came from the north. 
this was allowed by the North. And this is the uh, white people that became the Klan proudly to this very day. They still exist. Hmm. Um, well, uh, I, I feel like Nick Cannon with, <laughs> um, Professor Griff on, on a show right now. <laughs> I, I, I feel like you, uh, were very, very extreme, um, with, with that thought process. And I don't know that, um, well, I do know <clears throat> that I don't agree 100% with um, all, all of what I've heard you say, um, particularly as it relates to the concession of the North to allow the South to do what they did. Um, I think the South did what they, they did, not um, as a concession from the North, um, but I think the South did what they did as a result of losing the war. Because if you talk about reconstruction. Right. But if, if you have the uh you have the uh, the federal government that is there to protect the blacks and they remove the troops after the war, after they won the war, they removed the troops in those southern states. Yeah, but 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 before you but before you elaborate, let me just say. Right. I didn't it, let it, you complete your it, thought, sorry. Right. Um, that in the Reconstruction era, you had the first group of black people that became senators, that became governors, right? That became lawyers. You had people like Robert Smalls from South Carolina. You had different people, black. They, I mean, that that were a part of government that at in no point in time, you know, were were um, able to become. Um, um, politicians in a way that they had become. So that was a so right immediately after the Civil War, you had black people, you know, taking office in politics in, in ways that they had never been able to do. So you had a whole era where black people were were actually prospering. You know, and, and in addition to that, you also had Black Wall Street. You had a lot of uh black people as a result of what happened with the Civil War that were doing started doing well. Right now, I don't think that the North, um, in totality, agreed uh, with the South saying, "Oh, yeah, well, what we'll do because we beat y'all, we, we're going to give concession to y'all to do X, Y, and Z." I think the 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 South basically said, "We're going to do what we want to do." In fact, South Carolina was the first uh, uh, state. In all those southern states, to to send a bucket of screws to Washington D.C. and say, "Look, don't screw with us." So it wasn't the North saying, "You know, oh, we give a consensus." The South was basically saying, "We don't care what you guys do up there, down here. This is what we're going to do." So the North, even though they lost, they basically were saying, "Look." You know, we don't care what y'all think. This is what we're gonna do, and that's what they did. So those hangings, those that that burning of a black Wall Street, 
those those riots, those those killing of black folks, were not in concession to the North. The North didn't agree with it, but there were parts of the North that didn't agree with it, but didn't feel like they wanted to get involved. But that was not the North. I, I'm not going to say that was the North in its entirety, but that that was a part of some of the Northern states. Some of the Northern states said we're just going to mind our business, and so they just kind of stayed away from it. But you, if if we go back to it um, later, after this was uh, I, this was so the Civil War um, ended eighteen sixty three. Some people didn't find out to eighteen sixty five. Then we started having Reconstruction. That went that went on. So Reconstruction went on until like the early nineteen hundreds, and that's when we start to see this um, this onslaught of uh, black people being hung, you know, black people being killed, uh, black Wall Street being destroyed, you know, all that stuff. But but then you you then began to see where the North, like uh, in states like Alabama, Georgia, where you had the um, the, the bombing of the Alabama um, uh, church bombing where they bombed um, the little girls. But you also had the North sending down troops to make sure that they could integrate the schools, that they could integrate the colleges. That so you so you so I'm not going to I can't agree that the North just turned its back, uh, uh, you know, on on the South and allowed the South um, the concession to do what they wanted to do. But the South didn't need concession from the North. They just did what they wanted to do, just like they do now. Yes, sir. So, um, I mean, even if you even if you look at what just happened with Georgia, right, and Georgia turning blue, right, and mm-hmm. and, and and voting for um, uh, uh, Biden, well, what they, what Georgia, what some of the Georgians did as a result, they said, okay, we, you know what, we're gonna change the laws here in Georgia, and what we what we're gonna say is, you know. These people, you know, um, this is what you can and can't do, right? So you you can no longer if there's long lines, then you you can't give people water, you can't give people chairs. So essentially, what they were saying was, this is what we need to do. We need to disenfranchise older voters, right? We need to disenfranchise a, a particular type of voter because we know that if older voters can't have chairs, if older voters can't have seats. And they're not going to come out and vote. And then they and then they said, "Well, we're not going to allow people to vote on Sundays because they realized that what people were doing was people were voting on Sundays, right after church in large numbers. So they they just you know again it's it's like what they historically have always done is they it's like as soon as people of color start making advancement advancements towards the goal line, they move the goal line." So I'm not saying that that the concession that there was a concession that came from the north at all. I'm just saying that the south has repeatedly and historically has rebelled. Um, South Carolina again was the first state to rebel against the union. They were the first state to, to step up and say, you know what, you know, we don't want to be a part of the union. We don't want to be a part of 13 colonies. 
You know, we we want our own thing. We want to be able to do our own thing. That South Carolina led the 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 the, the role in that, and and all the other states follow suit. And we see that still here, you know, in modern day with um, uh, what's his name? Not not Lindsey Graham, but the one from um, Strong Thurman. Well, Strong Thurman was from South Carolina. Not only was Strong Thurman from South Carolina. <clears throat> but when you had the um, um, when you had um, um, hold, hold that thought with um, mm-hmm. uh, that 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 thought. Um, um, but so let me let me finish this thought. Um, but when the Democratic Party and the Republican Party started to switch, because initially the the Democratic Party that we see now used to be the Republican Party of Lincoln, right? Mm-hmm. But, what, but what ended up happening was as when, when Lincoln became president, you know, that was the, that, that was the Republican Party. So the, the Democratic Party of, of the South was extremely, you know, opposite of, of what Lincoln was, right? But, but that party started to flip that Lincoln Party started to flip with JFK, right? It it is it, it started a little bit in the sixties, but then it really well, well the sixties that was Kennedy, but it's it, you can start you can start to see a little bit of the changes in the fifties, little 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 bit in the forties, but you really saw it change, you know, in the sixties with with Kennedy becoming president. Mm-hmm. Those 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 Democrats. Now, those Republicans started to move to that that Democratic Party, and those Republicans started to move to the Republican Party. But there was a section of that Republican Party that started to move that way, that still felt like that Republican Party wasn't conservative enough. So they broke away and created what they called the Dixiecrats, right? Mm-hmm. And then them and then them creating the Dixiecrat Party. They uh, again from South Carolina. They ran Strong Thurmond from South Carolina as their president, their presidential candidate. Mm. Right. So when you hear black Republicans now saying, "Well, you know that black people historically were Republican," they're right in that aspect, but they're wrong in terms of the modern day Republican. And in the context. Right. Right. And so we have this reconstruction era. However, it was achieved. It was indeed successful in thwarting any efforts on the part of black people to rise out of out of the conditions that they were in. The only intercession in whatever will took place at and starting in um, 1866 uh, maybe even some say as far into 1871 up until the 1960s before the the federal government interceded when um John F. Kennedy sent troops into, I think it was Alabama. Mm-hmm. 
And um, that was the first time since the Civil War that the United States government interceded in the affairs of Black people in terms of um, the violence and atrocities in the South that went on for years unencumbered. That may have been the well. You know what? So, I'm. I'm. I, okay. So, as relates to the government, that's that's one thing. But you had people like Thurgood Marshall, um, uh, and, and black attorneys, the the uh, NAACP. You had you had people that were fighting um, on behalf of black people in the South. Um, as early as the 1900s, as early as um, uh, uh, um, 1911, the early 1900s, you had people that were traveling south addressing black issues, black concerns as relates to black people, um, even even if not so much as the federal government, but even in assistance with the federal government in terms of finances. Um, having attorneys and uh, the NAACP and uh, organizations like that that were going down to address social ills in um, southern states that, um, that that were happening at that time. Yes, sir. I think we get a picture of how these southern states um, acted or reacted to um, losing the Civil War and how these strongholds in American politics and American um, history continue to this day. And uh, there are white people, Northern and Southern, that want to keep this way of life. This is the undergirding um, notion when people say make America great again, great again, they feel that we're getting away from this um, rule. I think Francis Curtis Wells and said it well that it is a racial rule of law or rule of thumb that blacks are supposed to be marginalized. Mm -hmm. That is the way it's supposed to go. Mm -hmm. Racism is not um, an aberration to this great American country. It is the very foundation of how it becomes great mm -hmm. according to these think type of thinkers. And great, great for who? And why and, and why and how? White America. Absolutely. And so this is why we have these podcasts to get you to think otherwise. Because if you don't, people that want to see this back again, maybe not the violence and atrocities, and maybe the violence and atrocity is is part of that for some whites. But whatever it is, we don't agree with any of that thinking no matter how it came about 
we on this podcast and out into the universe that we project into would like you to think black power not as a slogan but as the way to look at things going forward you can have all of the alliances all of the NAACPs all of the uh, power and privilege that you want but until you understand that it will always break back down into racism if you allow it to fester. Mm-hmm. And we are at the 20-minute mark in DF and Universe. And we'll be right back after these messages. Peace to the universe. Peace to God. Fin Universe. Peace to the God. Peace to the universe. Um, one of the things that we learned, um, as you mentioned, these um, people that fought um, alongside the federal government and also on their own initiatives to try to bring some type of justice, peace, and um, equality to these southern states where Elijah Muhammad was born in Georgia, one of those southern states. This was the climate in which um, Master Farad Muhammad um, became, uh, um, came onto the scene. We had what was called the Freedman's Bureau. These were um, black and white northerners and um, but only a black man could be called a freedman because he was the only one that knew slavery. But uh, these type of uh, collectives that were putting together anything that could um, help to fight against whatever oppression was going on, not only in the South, but in America, this... Um, heat of oppression that was stifling the country. Um, I don't know about the history of the Masons, but I, I think there was some correlation between the Freedmen Bureau and um, the first Prentice, Black Prentice Hall Masonry. I'm not sure, but um, I'll ask you that a little later. I just wanted to finish my point. Um, these type of organizations brought about Marcus Garvey, Noble Drew Ali. Um, these were uh, underground organizations that were not typical of the type of organizations and um, mass movements that were into um, voting or into building with the country. These were subvert, uh, considered subversive organizations. That is what gave rise to Master Farad Muhammad and the Nation of Islam. That climate, that type of weather created those type of weathermen. 
and that was to address the point of um Abdul Abdur um Rahman's um wanting to teach us where the nation came from. Uh, we can have a discussion on that in this last segment of the effing universe. Um Okay. Um I'm just trying to think where I need to jump in on that. Um uh, I'm not sure where I need to um jump in on that. Um what was the was there any relation between the uh, underground networks between the uh, Masonry and Freedmen's Bureau? Well, yeah, because a lot of the Freedmen Bureau men were Masons. Hmm. And, and, and even including the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. Hmm. And um, the, the thing about not only the South, but um, 90% of the Black population was in the South during this Reconstruction period. And they had a mass migration into these northern states. So this is why our black people in, in like places like Chicago still have that southern draw. In California, they still have that southern draw because they came from these southern states to get away from the oppression. Whereas before <clears throat> and during the Reconstruction period, there were like 90% of black people were in the South where the plantations were, where the slavery was, where America made its greatness and wealth. Well, you gotta take you gotta take one more thing in consideration, right? So yes. not only was reconstruction taking place, but industrialization was taking place. Yes. Right? So industrial industrialization was why the whole civil war took place. Right? Because, the migration was successful for blacks to right, right because north because if you think about what what started to happen in the north even before the civil war was industrialization was taking place so because industrialization was taking place they didn't need field hands in the north as much as they needed them well, in the they south did because places like New York still had ten thousand slaves well they but 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 they didn't have. They didn't need them for um, production of wealth. Right, they needed right. them for servitude. Right, but 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 also, and even in New York, you got to remember now. Even in New York, there was in in New York, there there were parts of New York, if not all of New York, that had banded the slave code. Right. So, um, what 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 happened with um. Oh, I'm gonna think of his name in a minute, but um, let me t- let me talk about his case while I think about his name. But what happened in the North, particularly in, in the states like New York, and where the South was furious with the North, is because New York was saying, "Look, you know, we're not going to abide by slave laws here. So if you come to New York, you know, and you bring a slave with you, that slave does not have to adhere to slave rights and rules here. So a lot of so slaves that that abandoned the South and went to New York, they were able to be free in in, in certain parts of, of New York, right? And so when the slave hunters came to New York to try to take slaves back, New York was like, no, you can't do that because we don't abide by those laws here. So 
um, the case in which um, uh, what was the brother's name? Sanford. He, um. uh, his name escapes me right now, but it's gonna come to me. But his case was a case where he was 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 a free person in Drew the north. Scott. There you go. Uh, uh, the the Dred Scott case. Dred Scott, not the Drew. Dr- <laughs> the, the Dred Scott case, right, was because he had been freed, right, um, in, in the northern states, but his case was taken back down south where it was argued and it was determined down south that no white man, you know, had to respect any rights of any black man. So what, what was happening in the northern states and states like New York and other northern states is, is those states were saying, we're not going to adhere to those laws here, you know, in 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 in, in these states, hmm. and, and you know, so it, it just further added to the divide with the North and the South. Right. Um, the the good point to make is that Dred Scott lost his case in the South, and um, I think young people, young um, students of history want to know why did this continue what why what keeps happening in America that wants to be great that these things where a Dred Scott could lose his case even though this is after post civil war emancipation uh, um no not post I'm sorry um this is during slavery that um they could still lose their rights. All black people could still lose their rights no matter what the North was contemplating or developing in terms of uh, industrial wealth. Well, I, but but so, um, okay, so we started talking about the Industrial Revolution and what happened. Um, and, and I was just simply saying that the uh, the industrial industrial revolution had so much to do with why slavery was ending, as opposed to, um, you know, the the the, the Civil War, is w- because the North was becoming more industrialized. So places like New York and Chicago, you know, Pittsburgh, people were people from the South after the Civil War was hearing, right? If I go to these northern states. I can get a job, you know, even like the, the Ford industry and places like that, right? I could get a, we can get a job, you know, up, you know, up there and we could be free and we don't have to do this land um, sculpting. We don't have to continue to be farmers and, and, you know, and cultivating the land and all that stuff. So people started moving to the North for those job opportunities, even though when they got there, they began to realize that, wow, these um, opportunities here, you know, while it's, you know, industrial, industrialized, it still was very, very hard. And Black people were having to, to do the, 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 the most menacing jobs of all of those jobs, you know, in, in, in terms of industrialization. So they, they, they were having to be exposed to all these chemicals and all this, you know, all these other things. But they were feeling like this was going to be better than the North, right? So even uh, in, in uh, places like Indianapolis, Indiana, where you had the uh, 
Ford Foundation where they were building these cars and, and the Ford industry was saying, well, you know, if, if we we're making cars, then our employees need to be able to drive these cars, right? So this was the beginning. And again, this was the early 1900s, right? So what was happening was black people for the first time in the early 1900s, because be, be, before that, only white people were, were drivers. Only white people were people that were able were people that were able to drive. So it wasn't until the Ford um, industry and black people were working for the Ford company that they were able to afford these Ford these these cars. But 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 what's interesting about that is if you think about um, police um, brutality or racial profiling, this is when racial profiling as related to black people began. Because what happened was when white folks would see black people driving, they the police would pull them over and be like, who's this nigga driving this car? Mm. And why does this nigga have a car? Mm. And right? they still doing it. That, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. But it, it started as it, it started as far back as then. And it has been going on even up until today. So when you ask that question that you asked, like, why is this still happening, right? You know, you know, it's almost like asking, well, why is Trayvon Martin still getting killed with no justice, hmm. right? You know, that's almost asking, well, why would why did Emmett Till get killed during the time that he got killed with hmm. no justice, right? Because this is America, right? And hmm. and and America, the foundation of America is built on racism, mm-hmm. and so if the foundation of America, it's almost like Bro, it's like being, it's like a marriage or like raising kids, right? Or, or a generational curse. If you're living a lie or if you're living a generational curse, if you're living historic racism, it is going to manifest. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's going to manifest in your children because what happens is the repeat dysfunctional behavior is happening. Generational curses. Right, they're continuing to happen. So if you did not get fixed, then you pass your curse on to your child. Hmm. If you didn't work on, on, on that issue, you pass that issue on to the next generation. Hmm. Whether you was conscious of it or not conscious of it, right? Hmm. Most, and most of us are not conscious of it. And most uh, um, uh, Americans, I don't know they're conscious or unconscious of it. Um, and I think it's probably a combination of both because I think that they Americans suppress it so that that doesn't put it in their conscious is is in their unconscious. So they're repeating what their parents have taught them, what they've seen. And, and what I'll tell you um, in the unconscious is privilege teaches you something different. Privilege, mm. privilege teaches you comfort, right? And, and, and so if your comfort if your privilege teaches you comfort, then you don't want to be uncomfortable. And what makes you uncomfortable is having to deal with black people and their problems. And and so I rather not deal with black people and their problems and be uncomfortable than stay in my comfort zone. You you and I was having a conversation. I think you were talking about Asian people or transgender people or something like that last week. Mm-hmm. And if you chose to pick up that mantle, right, that's a choice you choose to do. But I could tell you most people aren't going to pick up that mantle, mm. right? Because they're, because 
in, because their comfort allows them to not be able to do that, right? So, mm. so, so what I, I what I'll say is, like I was in New York, in 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 New York and in DC, right? Mm. Every day, we walk across homeless people sleeping on the street, begging for money. We're so desensitized to that that we ignore them. They don't exist, mm. right? It, but 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 here's the thing, it is so not an atrocity, but it is right. It is, but it's not. It's mm. so much not an atrocity to us that we walk over them, that we step over them, that we that we blindly and intentionally not see them, mm. right? Even as much as an atrocity as homelessness is, we act as though we don't see them, and we right. see them every day. And so what I'm saying is that's what happens with white folks and black folks. Our, our comfort of knowing that we're going to go home or we're about to get something to eat. And even if we have something to eat and even if we have money in our pocket, that person that's begging is not worthy of us for the most part on an everyday basis seeing that those people do well. Because we're catching our own hell anyway. Because we, we live in our own privilege in as lack of a privilege as it might be, we're not in their situation. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're so we're 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 overstepping whatever situation that they are in mm-hmm. to attend to our own comfort zone. So I got a burger, I got some food, I I got some X Y and Z, right? So I'm gonna just go home and eat what I have. White folks are saying I'm gonna take my white privilege. And, and not deal with what the suffrage of black folk. Hmm. Indeed. Any solutions to this? <laughs> <laughs> Is that word again? Hmm. Well, um, interesting enough, but, um, there's a, there, there's actually um, something that we talk about in um, uh, therapies and techniques. There's something called uh, solution brief therapy or brief solution therapy. Hmm. Right? And so in solution brief therapy or brief solution therapy, um, we we tend to, if, if we're going to use that technique, we are not going to go back to um, the past. Right of where something started, right? We're not gonna deal with that. We're gonna we're gonna deal with solution brief therapy, right? Mm-hmm. It's almost like behavior behavior therapy. Um, we're we're not gonna deal with the root. We're gonna deal with the here and now, right? What what are you displaying right now? And how can we de- how can we fix what's happening right now? So a lot of times you're asking me, what's the solution? And it's funny because you could, so let's, let's, if you, if I gave a solution, right? If I gave a solution, mm-hmm. all it would fix is the behavior, right? It wouldn't fix the root of where it came from. Mm-hmm. So what would happen as a result is if you stop that behavior, another behavior is going to occur. Which is why we have the cognitive part or the psychological part 
of this uh, podcast so that we can examine those behaviors and not let the triggers re-trigger them. Well, well, so, okay, so here's a part about therapy, right? Mm. Um, Therapy, in one way, teaches you a way to um, understand and intellectualize, um, intellectualize what it is that you're going through, mm-hmm. right? So we can talk about it, you know, we can understand it, we can gain a level of intellect from it, um, but it won't stop the triggers. Mm-hmm. Because you can still be triggered even though you understand it, mm-hmm. right? Even though you intellectualize it, you understand where it's coming from. But you haven't healed from it. And that's a different type of therapy. Mm-hmm. So do you so do you want again, depending on the technique and the philosophy or ideology that the therapist is coming from, is going to say a lot about how you're going to be able to handle the situation. Because even if you're going through therapy for it doesn't mean you're not going to be triggered by it. Now, so if you're trying to deal with something from your childhood and you want to be healed from it, that's a different type of therapy, right? So, because you can still be triggered by it if you get put in that situation. Mm. But being healed from that childhood trauma is something different. And I'm saying that so that anybody that potentially might be listening could understand or need to understand why they might be, you know, getting help or seeking help for whatever it is that they're going through, but wonder why they're being, why they can still be triggered by it. It's because you haven't healed from it. You're just working on it. Hmm. Indeed. We are at the 21 minute mark in DF and University. This is the last segment of the night, unless we do a bonus round. It is 4.12 a.m. on a night, Friday night, Saturday morning, where we could be out partying and bullshitting. We're having these type of conversations. One day, when you get through partying and bullshitting, you are going to see the worst of these dialogues. Uh, in terms of solutions, I, I think that um, people like um, all people are well-meaning. Minister Farrakhan, Abdul Rahman, Awarifuddin, um, Muhammad, well-meaning people. Um, What happens is that we take on their fights and there's so many ways and solutions that we have that we begin to fight amongst each other. 
or disagree amongst each other and lose sight of the bigger picture. So anyone that um, engages in these classes that this brother is going to try to elucidate um, or, or de defunct uh, or decompose uh, Master Farad Muhammad, Elijah Muhammad, and uh, big up Malcolm, so be it. But at your own peril. Any last words, thoughts, Doctor Moore? No, bro. Um, I think based on the um, conversations that we've had tonight, I think we, um, or at least I have, um, pretty much touched the topics that I, um, or even articulated um, the topics that that we ventured upon. Um, I feel, uh, I guess I feel pretty comfortable with, with what we have expressed tonight. Yes, sir. Indeed. Uh, bonus round or you want to wait till tomorrow? Bruh, I don't know what bonus round means, but it's 4.15. <laughs> so, uh, let's wait till tomorrow. Anything past 4.30, I'm I'm done. (laughs) There's just some current events. Um, We could do it tomorrow. If if we can't do it in 15 minutes, then I'm... I'm, If you can do it in 15 minutes, I'm with you. But if not, then... Um, Let's come back, then. And we'll be right back after these messages. Peace Peace to the universe. Peace to the God. Uh, black power thinking, black psychology, and black human. We're dark human, but human nonetheless. Um, there is a, um, we talked briefly about the vaccine. Um, wanted uh, to let you have any um, last word on that. Um, vaccine vaccination for COVID nineteen. No, bro, I'm I'm not um, pro or, or con. Um, I, you know, um, my my wife has gotten both her shots. Um, but plenty of my fraternity brothers have already uh, received their shots and received their shots very very early on. In fact, some of them were um, the very first people to to get their shots. I mean, when I say very first, I'm talking about as soon as they were available. Um, I, mm-hmm. I've had frat brothers that that got the shot early on, so um, I'm definitely not opposed to the shot at all. Um, I think that, uh, and and I'm not, I haven't gotten it yet, but I do uh, anticipate getting it. Uh, at some point, um, if need be, but um, yeah, um, I don't have a problem with the shot at all. Yes, sir. We we are on the front lines of a, a new paradigm, a new situation. Um, 
we've dealt with all the other things that um, racism could throw at us. Um, some of us are going to survive this one way or another, with or without the vaccine. Um, may Allah bless us all in whatever decision we make. There is a new uh, host of companies coming out with um, seafood products and food products uh, generated in a lab. Um, like they have a new type of meat. They're uh, Speaking of the COVID vaccine, um, the implications of, of the vaccine is that the earth is overpopulated and that the the more the overpopulation um, extends or increases, the more complications that we're going to have, like COVID-19. Um, and one of the solutions that the society, that the modern-day scientists have coming up with is um, these um, laboratory-generated proteins. Um, there's a new contract in the Asian market. Uh, Japan and Thailand have um, tried to um, do something healthy to... Um, um, address the depletion of the seafood um, demand in those countries. Seafood is is very high on the on the top of the food chain, but the sources of get retrieving that seafood come at the expense of uh, global warnings. So. Yeah. The, They've uh, generated a new type of uh, way to feed people. Yeah, so I, I, I don't, I don't buy, in, I don't buy into or subscribe to that at all. Um, you know, and particularly as um, Muslim or someone who um, reads the Quran or whatever, I, I you know, the, the Quran says, I, "I make man the Khalifa." which means I make man, the Khalifa means I make man the ruler of the planet Earth, mm. of the things that fly amongst the air and things that are beneath the sea. So um, the Hadith talks about um, it, there's a point in time where we, we will, be, we will um, meet with Allah and we, we, we will complain and we'll say, well, uh, I didn't have time or I didn't have space, you know, to do X, Y, and Z, or I lived here, I lived there, and, you know, or whatever excuse that they would give. And Allah would say to them, <clears throat> that didn't I make my earth spacious enough? Hmm. Right? And so, um, what it's saying is that, you know, I, I made man the caliph of the planet Earth. I made him the ruler. Right? So no place on Earth is foreign to you. And the Earth belongs to you. 
And if you chose to stay situational, then that wasn't on the law, that was on you. Because the law said that the earth belonged to you. So I don't believe in that whole overpopulation theory. Uh, any, I don't believe in any of that because I believe that the earth belongs to all of us. And I believe, I, I don't believe in people overpopulating or any of that stuff. I think that um, that, that this earth is, 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 is ours and I believe that we are creators. And what I mean by us being creators is I believe that <clears throat> when the Bible talks about I make man in my likeness, you know, and in my image, <clears throat> and when the supreme wisdom teaches that um, who is the original man? The original man is Asia, the black man, the black man, the owner, the owner, the maker, the owner, the cream of the planet, earth, father, civilization, God, of the universe. Well, if in fact that is the case, then it is your responsibility to create and manifest as a God on a planet earth. And if you're not doing that, then you're not manifesting God. Beyond the, um, the human cost of, of our um, existence on the planet earth, what about food preferences? Um, people that want to stop eating red meat, chicken and go to a more pescatarian diet uh, for health reasons rather than uh, the human cause of uh, commercial fishing, fishing. Uh, just for health reasons, just as a food preference, do you see these type of uh, new markets and contracts happening in Asia going global? I, I don't know. Um Honestly, I don't know, but I know for me, like, bruh, I hadn't eaten red meat and I don't know when. I haven't eaten pork. Or, you know, you know, you know, I pork, beef, you know, things like that. I just don't eat, period. Sweets, I don't eat, period. You know, so I don't want to sound cocky in saying that, but I'm just saying that, um, you know, while I do eat like chicken and turkey, mm-hmm. um, you know, and and then it's it's the month of Ramadan. Um, eating is a discipline, right? Mm-hmm. And um, unfortunately, a lot of Americans, a lot of people, are disciplined when it comes to when it comes to food and when when it comes to eating. So they suffer as a result of that. So. Um, I I don't know outside of saying that um, as a manifestation of God or as a manifestation of the God that's in you, then you should dictate what you eat and what you eat should not dictate you. Hmm. Right? So I, I think as a manifestation of the God that's in you, then you should control your body as opposed to your body controlling you. Things to think about when you are eating um, and you are what you eat. Um, this has been a bonus round. I told you, I'll keep it short, brother. We're at the uh, 429 mark in DF and Universe. And um, we just want to 
eat properly, think properly, and do properly. And uh, this was just one segment or one thought in that perspective. Any last words, brother? <clears throat> no, bro. I, I, you know, I think that um, you know, I, I don't want to trivialize people's experiences, um, or life struggles as it relates to to, to healthy eating. Um, you know, I know for me, it that part is not as much of a struggle, just because of the discipline that I have growing up in Islam. Uh, but, 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 you know. While um, there are aspects of it that I have struggled with, right? Um, yes, sir. You know, while um, I have not always been able to eat one meal a day, um, I have struggled with, um, you know, what I may or may not eat, right? Um, but, I, you know, so I want to say to people that may struggle with that, um, you know, I understand that, but um, if you know you want to get to a place of, of comfort in terms of what you eat and what you don't eat, um, and in terms of mastering that, that's a different type of discipline. And um, if you are trying to get to that that level of discipline, you know, uh, you know, it's realize that it's a challenge. Hmm. And 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 take it day to day, Indeed. and and it's okay if you lose one day, right? Um, and I want I probably shouldn't use the word lose, but if you're not um, if you're not acquiring that goal that day, it's okay to restart it again the next day. Yes, sir. Indeed. And that would be it for tonight, brother. Thank you for. Um, joining on to this uh, concept of uh, keeping the conversation going, a conversation piece. Ramadan, Kareem, and peace to the universe. Ramadan Mubarak. Peace. Peace to the God.